episode 66 of the movie brats podcast i'm carter and joining me as always is jonathan how are you doing jonathan i'm fine and we are like we did a few episodes ago going to be talking about some new batch of horror films Uh it seems like uh we're really in the period of horror releases right now it seems like we're getting a new one every month or sorry every week um but we're going to talk about three that have been released in the last month or so uh, two of them are available to rent or stream at the moment, and the other is still in theaters. But we will start with the first one to be released. I think it was probably, if not the most hyped movie release of the summer, one of the most hyped movie releases of the summer. It is Nope, directed by Jordan Peele, who has previously directed Get Out and Us, and is sort of making a name for himself as an auteur Writer, director. Writer, director, exactly. In the horror genre. Um, Starring Daniel Kaluuya, who previously collaborated with Jordan Peele in Get Out. Uh, Kiki Palmer and Steven Yoon. It is about a pair of siblings who run the only African-American-owned movie ranch, uh, movie horse ranch, who attempt to capture evidence of a possible UFO. Uh, It originally premiered July 18th and was released wide July 22nd and was made available for video on demand, I think, last week or the week before. A Metacritic score of 77 and a Rotten Tomatoes score of 82. Uh, We will discuss some spoilers for all of these movies. Um, So if you haven't seen them or do not like movies being spoiled for you, you may want to hold off until you've seen these uh, before you listen to this episode. Um, But we can just go ahead and start with your reactions uh my initial reaction was disappointment for this movie um and i think yours might be the same right i mean get out was such kind of a revelation this comedy guy who was very funny but yeah i don't think anyone was expecting for him not just to make a solid you know horror you know satire but you know one of the best directorial debuts yeah. of the last 10 years and um I think we were both mixed on us. Uh, I think there are a number of good aspects about that. It was a, film. It was a big swing, but yeah. for me, us missed just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like Nope is a film that has a lot of interesting ideas. It has strong performances. It has good scenes, but it doesn't add up to a satisfying whole. And mm-hmm. I'm not really sure what Jordan Peele's point or his messages and some of my ideas about what he's saying, I'm just kind of shrugging and going, well, I don't think that's all that interesting. <laughs> and I think that part of the problem with the movie is that it's not scary at all. No, to me. there's nothing like remotely. I mean, there's one scene with me. a good jump scare that ends out to be nothing where some kids are like playing a prank, but that was like legitimately the scariest scene in the movie, which is not and- saying a lot. I would say that this is more of a science fiction film than a horror film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it also think, has like a bizarre sort of statement about 
exploitation of animals in motion pictures. Right. And I think that um, kind of my basic criticism is that it is, it, it's an intriguing movie until it's not intriguing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's one of those movies where you're watching it and you're like, Oh, this is interesting. Oh, what's going to happen. And then at a certain point you're like, Oh, this is happening. Like, <laughs> I mean, the it's spoilers. I mean, the last third of the movie is basically uh, they're trying to not get sucked up into the air by what you think is this giant spacecraft UFO, but it's actually this big creature. Uh-huh. And the last third of the movie is the weakest part. It's like yeah. you're there's this building up of tension throughout the movie. And it's just like this big CGI looks like a stingray flo- floating <laughs> around the sky. It's like a George O'Keefe painting. I know it looks like a giant for JJ. Yeah. And I just, and it's supposed to look like a camera. There's like a shutter and Iris thing. And there's this whole thing about who gets to capture images, who, you know, the, who gets to be portrayed on screen. And uh, the family uh, gives the speech about how the, you know, one of the earliest moving images ever is this black jockey on a horse. And it's the uh, family member of this, uh, you know, long in the you know history of Hollywood, you know, horse trainers, mm-hmm. and they're talking about you know who gets to create images, but it's just like, but I don't know what's the, the like what's the end point of that metaphor no. that discussion like what's, and it's, what is a lot he of saying? it's very obvious that you know African Americans have experienced erasure in motion picture history and and a lot of parts where there should be black people in movies there weren't and they weren't allowed to be stars for a long time and it's like yes we we all know this and if this like had come the, out in like 1970 i think maybe it would have been making a bigger statement than it is now and like the big ufo in the sky that's actually a creature that kind of looks like a camera and it's like taking up sucking up all these characters it's, and it's like if you it's like there's this giant creature in the sky and like it only will suck you up if you're looking at it and it's just like <laughs> the why yeah. and uh and it's also like their whole the the main characters in the film are so focused on trying to get the picture they take of this big ufo and i'm like why like just monetary <laughs> just for money like yeah. I, and, I, and i think one of the problems i think that the performances are are, are good i think especially kiki palmer yeah like there's there's no real dimension to the characters they no. just are doing stuff yeah and there's not really any character development i think she's a really um striking and charming screen presence but i just feel like you know, Daniel Kaluuya is just very quiet. He's like the opposite of her, you know, doesn't have a man, a few words. Yeah. But I just, throughout the movie, like the first part of it, I was intrigued and I was pulled into it. But then like when it's kind of revealed what they're doing and like why they're doing it, I'm like, why do I care? Like these characters aren't interesting enough to, to really care about their, you know, escapades. Uh, well, and they're... so much forgotten to like the minutia of like taking pictures. Yeah, which I was like, does he think that this is interesting to us as audience members? And we're fil- <laughs> and you and I are film geeks. Yeah, and I'm just like, I don't care about yeah. like this guy who's taking these pictures on film and why it's necessary for him. <laughs> and like, like I'm honestly like, I'm I'm seriously questioning like, is it? Are they just so determined to do it because 
they want to get the money they think they'll get from it? Like, why are well, they the, so- the motivation of the one guy that they present him? is like you get to shoot the unshootable. And this guy's like, wow, that's a challenge. It's like, I also, what? <laughs> I also, I mean, I think part of it's just that I don't really have any interest in UFOs. I'm no, not neither a big do I. science fiction person in general. That was and, the thing for us also. In all the interviews, he was like, doppelgangers are so interesting. And I was like, are they? <laughs> yeah. And I just feel like, and, and the thing with Steven Yun's character, it's like, I think one of the best scenes or scenes in the movie are, is the ape attack on the television set. That's really, you know, kind of creepy. Oh, and yeah. Effective. But like, but it's just a scene. Yeah, yeah. Like it doesn't add to anything really. No. I mean, one of my friends was questioning whether this film and to what degree is it commenting on 2001 a space odyssey is the ape stuff supposed to be a reference to 2001 i think that in the opening credits there's a shot uh where you're kind of looking up it's almost like the op- the the black obelisk yeah in 2001 and like you're seeing an image at the end of the jockey the silent mm-hmm. images and i just like you know, like how, I mean, not to be racist, but is the film itself making this comparison about like, you know, animals and African-Americans on screen? Like, I don't, like, it just seems all jumbled. I don't know really the the message the film. Yeah. Aside from just being about exploitation and like erasure. I know. Um, Like what's all the animal stuff, like the horses (laughs) and the the apes and the. But it's like, is that really, I mean, this is like a big budget tentpole summer blockbuster. And it didn't feel like that at all. It was like an yeah. essay brought to life or something like that. Yeah. Um, and an essay just, that's like been written before and we're all sort of aware of what it's trying to say. And I'm, I'm starting to get really annoyed with people online talking about Jordan Peele, like he's like Stanley Kubrick. Oh, that there's yeah. like all the symbolism and oh, there's so much deeper meanings. And what does this mean? And what does that mean? Who is this person? And what's the significance of that? And I'm like, it's not deep enough for that. No, honestly. it's like I don't I don't think it warrants or um deserves that sort of like digging into it because the Kubrick movies like were actually entertaining. And that's like... why my Nope is not nearly entertaining enough to kind of trudge through trying to decipher what his message is. It's like it's it's paradoxically like it's it feels like a really obvious film about what it's saying, but also I'm like but I don't really understand what you're saying. <laughs> like, I, it, like I get his kind of general metaphor and his yeah. the themes he's going after, but I'm I kind of shrug and go like, but I don't really understand what what's your point though. Yeah, I kind of I kind of struggling to understand the. What also like, like is a big blockbuster the proper sort of mode to be sort of discussing these themes and and well christopher nolan at his christopher nolan at his best combines big spectacle special effects extravaganzas with cerebral movies but even i'm not the biggest fan of christopher nolan like yeah i don't there's a question whether or not he actually really achieves that Um, yeah like i thought tenant was such a slog and it was like (laughs) it has it seems like oh it's so heady and it's thinking about time and it's like kind of just stupid to me but i guess you would say that those are the two sort of filmmakers operating right now who sort of aspire to kubrick um but i think both of them fall drastically uh, short uh, well i would say they're the two that get any kind of a budget yeah well yeah they're certain yeah, yeah they're directors that uh in smaller ways but i think that yeah i mean like i just 
this especially the second half of nope i just found it dull it's like yeah. i just was like i'm not interested in these characters uh partially it's just i guess because i'm not interested in ufos and sci-fi is not my favorite yeah. genre i just was like you know they're riding around on horses and there's the the blow up men that you see outside car dealerships like, <laughs> i just like it, it really the last third of the movie really ends up just being people like running around and like i just didn't care yeah it was, was like engaged. that that song uh, is that all there is you're like watching this you're like oh this is this is really all that he's got like this is and like steven yun's character his story just goes out and doesn't end up adding up to anything yes there's so many parts of this that are just like ideas that are just thrown together and i think it almost seems like how well received get out was was the sort of worst thing that could have happened to jordan peele and buying into his own sort of hype and buying into his movies needing to be these big theme statement sort of movies about like america and race and stuff like that um and I, they don't need to be. I mean, why can't you just make like an entertaining movie? Like not every movie you make well, has to be about everything. Well, yeah, I think the thing with Get Out is that number one, it's a really entertaining horror slash and funny. And yeah, and it, it, it's overtly entertaining. And it, you know, I I'm, know that it's by design and this was on his mind, but like it's, it, it has all this, you know, political and social commentary. But I feel like his next two movies, The Nope is the biggest culprit. I mean, it's the biggest, you know, it, it makes the biggest mistake is that it's just all these ideas and the entertainment value, like the film that it's in is so weak and under, uh, you know. Underwhelming, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, you, you gotta have the film to put the ideas into. If you just have yeah. all these ideas and the film is just kind of, no, and that's so. basically exactly how Us was. It's his last two movies seem far more concerned with things that Jordan Peele thinks are fascinating than things that people in the audience are actually interested in seeing. Um, right. And that's not to say that like and he isn't just, a talented director who doesn't have like a good eye for the image and an idea for story and stuff like that. I mean, he obviously does, but I think he's just, he's being far too ambitious and the sort of statements his movies are trying to make and the sort of symbolism of his movies. And, you know, to someone like me, it just doesn't seem like a lot's there that is worth investing the time to like, you know, <laughs> investigate and analyze and think about because it's sort of like hollow at the, I mean, at the end of it, it's, and it's not a movie. I don't think I'll ever watch this movie again. And <laughs> I'm someone who likes rewatching movies and yeah, I've I don't think I'll even like things. think about this movie like after we stop talking about it today. <laughs> yeah, I just I, I am certainly intrigued to see what he does next, but I'm less intrigued as, than I was after Get Out came out. Yeah, for sure. with each movie he makes, I'm less interested in him as a director and less optimistic about where he can go in his career because I, I just don't like the direction it's heading. Honestly. I do admire that he is an African-American director who's given, you know, I'm sure he doesn't get the budget that Nolan or Spielberg gets, but he is someone who, you know, I'd rather see someone swing for the fences and do something original yeah. and just like, I'm like, I'm glad he hasn't in his second or third movie just done a Marvel movie. Yeah. 
I'm, I'd rather a franchise see, movie. Yeah, I'd rather see him do a film that I think ultimately fails or is a real mixed bag than see something that's just this generic like for hire job that like I don't want to see him direct a Black Panther spinoff. I don't want to see him direct, no. you know, oh, or even like I could imagine him you know being offered you know like one of these legacy horror or like doing a sequel halloween, to get out like a yeah or like a halloween you know like or, yeah. you know one of those franchises like oh you do horror let, let's just plug you into one of these well he franchises. did produce the Candyman movie is right. that right yeah which did. i didn't see but i know a lot of people were very disappointed in and in some yeah. ways i think had the same sort of flaws as this one where it was trying to make a lot of statements about race in america and it just wasn't as entertaining as it yeah, be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, but, that's one of the great things that horror can do, though, in science fiction genre films in general, is that they can be uh, subversive like tro- Trojan horses for yeah. political and social commentary. Uh, but you have to, like, have the Trojan horse. Like, you can't. Yeah, exactly. Just, like, <laughs> you know, it's just like, look at me, look at me, look at all this commentary and all this, you know, but it's just like. But you got to have the entertaining and well-crafted film there first yeah. to put the commentary into. I don't know. I just hope that he doesn't keep buying into his own hype. And well, like, I can't imagine credit. that after these last two movies, he's like, yeah, this is going great. I'm like, I'm, I am on the trajectory that I'm I supposed mean, to be 77 on Metacritic. I mean, it got fairly good reviews, but which I, mean, I don't really understand, honestly. No, it's like we said before, it's like, you know, Mike Lee makes a masterful film like Peter Lou and it gets like a 64 Metacritic, which is <laughs> yeah. like 15 points higher. But, but I, yeah, and I do think that, um, you know, to his credit, there was someone online that was saying like, oh, you have like the best like three for three of any horror director ever. And he's like, um, I think John Carpenter would beg to differ. Like he was like saying, I'm not like, he was saying, I'm not John Carpenter. I'm not Wes Craven. You know, I, no, I, but I he could have been. Um, yeah. Maybe yeah, he still can. Early. Maybe yeah. he still can, but I mean, all those directors, John Carpenter, Wes Craven, Toby Hooper, they made like half their movies are hot garbage, but you know, the best films they did were, but also, amazing they made movies on small budgets which i think in some ways can be constricting but in a lot of ways i think opens up creative problem solving sort of solutions to stuff and maybe his budgets are too big at the end of the day honestly well um, i i don't mind him having a large budget he just has to justify it i think yeah but i mean this was 70 million it's made 161 that's not really what you want from a return from a 70 million dollar movie i think that most studios would consider that to be a disappointment at the box office for Um, an original movie by a black director it's good but it's uh you know i mean i it's it feels i mean it's crazy like a comic book movie can make a bajillion dollars like, oh that's a disappointment it made a bajillion dollars though <laughs> yeah 600 so, million was not enough for this movie but i, I would uh, i would say that um definitely don't see nope if you've not seen get out get, like get out one you should say i think most people yeah. have seen get out but i would not watch nope if i hadn't seen his other movies no yeah because not because you need to have seen them but it's just they're better movies both of them I don't know. I'm, I'm still going to give him a chance because obviously yeah. he is very talented, but I'm, I've been very disappointed by his last two movies. Um, the next movie was by a director I had never heard of um, who I think had only made one movie before. It I'm is sure. 
uh, yeah, Bodies, 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 directed by Helena Rhine, I think is her name. She's a Dutch yes. woman. She had um, been an actress for many years on stage. Yes. Um, and I think had directed music videos and stuff like that. Her previous feature film was Instinct, which uh, I had never heard of. Um, this movie stars a lot of people who are apparently very famous, but I'm not really familiar with them. Um, Amanda Stenberg, uh, who I think is a Nickelodeon actress or Disney Channel. She was in the Hunger Games films. I think. Oh, okay. Um, Maria right. Balakova, who was in the previous Borat movie. Uh, Pete Davidson. Oscar nominated for, yes. And Rachel Sinnott, who is in Shiva Baby, which, which was is very good. Very good very, independent yeah. comedy. Um, it is about a group of rich, entitled, and party crazed 20 somethings who meet up at a mansion for a hurricane party, which is not something that I knew existed. Um, as the storm comes and gets progressively worse, the tensions and suspicions between the group members come to the fore when a murder mystery game goes horribly wrong. It premiered March 14th at South by Southwest and was released wide in the U.S. August 5th, a Metacritic score of 71 and a Rotten Tomatoes score of 85. Um, I had seen ads for this movie for such a long time before it came out. Um, but I was, it wasn't exactly what I expected it to be. Um, and I enjoyed it, but I was a little disappointed at the end of this movie. Um, I think we might spoil a bit of it. So I think the best thing is the ending, though. Yeah, well, uh, maybe not so much the ending as the fact that, spoiler alert, there is no killer. Um, and it's all just sort of these people's, like, dishonest nature and thinking that because they are dishonest all the time, everybody else is. And they have sort of have these ideas about, about other people that, they don't really ever stop to think about maybe my idea about this person isn't right. And they just sort of act on these initial assumptions and very bad things happen because of it. But um, it was one of the best uses, I think, of cell phones in a movie I've seen. And obviously, we're just going to keep getting more movies that make use of social media and uh, texting and stuff like that. But it, it felt very contemporary. Um, what, what did you think about it, Jonathan? Yeah, it's a film where a lot, basically all the characters are obnoxious and you wouldn't <laughs> mind seeing them get killed off, which basically ends up happening. Um, and for a little bit, you might be like, do I really want to be stuck in a house with these characters? But the film is clever enough to make, not that you ever really care for hardly any of the characters, but they are entertaining enough and their kind of petty squabbles and their talks of millennial angst, their bullshit they're whining about. Some of it, you know, is legitimate stuff, but a lot of it is just kind of microaggressions and just kind of, you know, very first world problems yes. that they're whining about. And the fact that, like I said, spoiler alert, it ends up that there is no killer in the house. It's just that their own insecurities and their irritating, you know, backstabbing, dishonest, you know, just that they can't, you know, they don't work well together. All no. the time. <laughs> and that ends up literally killing, you know, nearly the whole cast by the end of the movie. And uh, it's a movie where the, I like, it, I thought it was really clever to have a slasher movie where there was no killer and it was the own people. It was the 
lead character's own fault that they uh-huh. ended up dying. I thought that was really clever. Um, yeah, I, I think that it's uh, a really good, talented cast of young people um, that it's like their performances are so good that I would like almost not want to hang out with the actors because they <laughs> seem so kind of obnoxious, but that's just how good they are, you know, portraying. Well, and they're know. all sort of like these types, I guess. Um, and I don't, we don't get a whole lot like about the people, but I, I guess that works to its favor because there really we, isn't much to these people. Well, there's more revealed as the film goes along, kind of their uh-huh. relationships and their backstories and why they may feel certain ways about mm-hmm. certain people or be uh, distrustful of people. And I think that uh, the performances are very good, even though you don't really like the characters. Yeah. You are not necessarily invested in them becoming better people or getting uh, you know, the killer or getting you know, even surviving necessarily, but you're, uh, you're, you're pulled into their plight and like, yeah. you want to see what's going to happen to them. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it's a horror comedy. And well, that's, I, think- I think the thing that disappointed me the most is I thought it could have been funnier. And I think a lot of the humor was very obvious sort of what are these people? Is it a Gen Z? Are these people millennials? Are we so old that we're we're they're a generation below us? I think they are. Except for Lee Pace, who plays an older man who's dating one of the young people. I think basically the whole cast are younger than us. Yes. And I I don't know. From all the commercials and the ads and stuff like I expected it to be really, really funny. And it was funny enough. It's more clever than like laugh out loud funny. Yeah. Um, and I don't that's just something I expected a bit more. I think the the actor who most sort of embodied the energy that I think everyone else should have been bringing was Rachel Sinnott, um, who plays like this sort of uh, coke-addled, very narcissistic podcaster. And I think, I don't know, I thought that she had the correct energy in this movie and the correct sort of comic sensibility while also balancing being in a horror movie. While I think um, Amanda Stenberg, who I, I don't think she was funny enough and her character really isn't supposed to be funny, but I don't know. I, she just didn't do enough for me in that. And the, who's the character? Uh, Mahila Harold, who plays Jordan. That character was just so grating to me. Um, where it's like you said, these aren't necessarily people you want to hang out with, but, and I guess there is sort of a nasty, I guess you'd say audience pleasure of sort of seeing these people get killed. Mm-hmm. Um, in a sort of a nasty sort of way, but um, I liked it, and I thought it was effective as a sort of, it's not a haunted house movie, but I guess a murder mystery kind of thing. Almost like Agatha Christie, people trapped in Yeah, exactly, sort of Agatha Christie, yeah, but like, you know, 2022, but um, it just wasn't funny enough for me, um, and I it, guess I went in knowing it was a horror comedy, but I wasn't really, ex- I mean, there's different types of horror comedies. I mean, there's yeah. like Evil Dead 2 that's like really funny. Yeah. And then there's ones that are like uh that that are horror films that have a sense of humor, but they're not trying to be like comedies. Yeah. Like I find I think this is you know more of a kind of clever concept movie, yeah, humorous than like it's supposed to be like joke, joke, joke. 
Yeah. But yeah. But I did enjoy it. Yeah. I, I, I enjoyed it more than nope. I certainly enjoyed it. Yeah. So did it I. Yeah. Um, um, and I don't so, know. Maybe I'm just not plugged in enough to the internet and Gen Z people for all of it to quite land. Maybe it would for younger audiences. I don't know. Already old men. I, know, I feel like I'm. This movie made me feel old. Um, well, like the fact that you like feel like you don't know any of the actors. Yeah, it's part you of do, it. Where I mean, you do know Pete Davidson, even if you yeah. watch Saturday Night Live. Yes. Like I, I really did like the movie. The lead actress, Amanda. How do you pronounce her last name? Amanda Stenberg, I think. Yeah, she was in a really good movie a few years ago called The Hate You Give. Oh, okay, yeah. I never saw that. Um, yeah, that, that was, was really one good. that um, it generated a lot of buzz when it came out, but I never, yeah. I never got around to seeing it. 81 on Metacritic. Yeah. Yeah, but um, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I enjoyed the movie. I, I kind of went into it. I, I, I'll say I went to see three horror movies in a row a few weeks ago i saw the black phone did not like it saw nope was disappointed then i saw bodies 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 and i liked it the best of the three you were like this um, wasn't a total waste of time <laughs> yeah i mean i would give it like uh i'd well we, we can do star ratings at the end if we want to but um mm-hmm. you know I'll, i'd say i'd give nope like two and a half out of five i'd give bodies three and a half yeah but yeah i mean maybe i'm not necessarily the target audience for and this also and... you're not a horror buff yeah exactly so in a lot of ways, I'm, I'm not the target audience because it's not fun for me to see these actors in these roles because I don't know who a lot of them are. Where <laughs> I think right. for maybe other people, it's like, oh, we get to see her do this. And it just it didn't necessarily have that appeal for me. So maybe if this movie came out when I was 22 and had actors like I would be more familiar with when I was a 22 year old, I would have liked it more. But and they had their party lines and their yes, you know, <laughs> you know they didn't have this TikTok, all this newfangled. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. I this, mean, is, this is one of the first movies I've seen. I'm like, oh, this, I'm not really the audience for this. This is for a younger audience than me, right. um, which was interesting. Um, but oh, I think we're gonna take a break before we come back to what i thought was the best of the three movies we're reviewing today um so we will be back with you in just a second all right we are back uh to discuss our third is this is this a horror movie horror science fiction (laughs) action action (laughs) um it is prey uh, directed by Dan Trachtenberg, whose previous only movie credit is 10 Cloverfield Lane, although he has directed um, some TV stuff, including the pilot for uh, The Boys, uh, starring basically all uh, virtually unknowns, um, including Amber Midthunder, Dakota Beavers, and Michelle Thrush. This is almost a uh, except for some roles, almost exclusively Native American cast to, I mean, I think one version of the movie on Hulu, they offer it in Comanche, um, which I think is the first sort of major American release to be in a Native American language. Um, it is a prequel to Predator set in the American West in the early 18th century. A young Comanche woman wants to prove herself as a warrior and hunter but comes across a vicious humanoid alien who kills everything in its path. Uh, It was premiered uh, exclusively on Hulu August 5th, uh, a Metacritic score of 71 and a Rotten Tomatoes score of 93. 
I think for us as avid moviegoers, the most disappointing thing about this is that it was not released in theaters. Yes. Uh, there is so much junk that gets released in theaters <laughs> and sometimes plays for months and months. And you just wonder, you know, it's like with the Batgirl news recently. It's like, is there just some people in an office somewhere that look at a bottom line of a spreadsheet and say, oh, this will be better if we just put it on streaming or with Batgirl, which doesn't even release a movie. We spent yeah. only $80 million on it so far. <laughs> I mean, let's just make it a tax write off. I know. And I think that it was because of the Fox deal. I mean, yeah. there are certain films that uh, it's not like every Fox film is going to skip theaters, but you know, there are a number of movies that they just look at the numbers, I think, regardless of the type of film. Uh, and they think, oh, you know, we can make more money or we'll do better on streaming. But mm -hmm. I mean, to me, Prey is a really good example of how to do a IP franchise, franchise film is that you, you know, not every franchise movie has to be this gargantuan two and a half hour plotting this is super essential in the legacy the, the storytelling of this franchise i mean i hated dr strange and the multiverse of madness because yeah. so much of that film felt like just this chugging wheezing mcu world building yeah. and the thing about prey is that it's uh about 100 minutes long i mean just over 90 minutes without the end credits it's lean yeah. it's brisk it gets the job done. It is a B movie that knows exactly what it's doing. It's bloody. It's really violent. Yeah. It's entertaining. Uh, there are, you know, stretches of it. If you added up the running time, probably at least half the movie has no dialogue. Mm -hmm. And I just think that it is now I will say, I do think there's a problem these days where an above average franchise movie, especially. Yeah people act like oh prey is like one of the greatest movies that has been released here no no it's just like a really <laughs> solid entertaining b movie you know but that's like, enough that's good enough and like yes. for me, that's all it needs to be <laughs> right but people don't need to sell it as like oh this is like it changes you know. the game <laughs> no no it's just a you know it's a it's just like a really solid b movie and it's really good at doing that yes it's like the way i don't like I, like it would be stupid to me like I really enjoy Top Gun Maverick. I don't know that it needs to get nominated for Best Picture and Tom Cruise. For Best Actor. I know. It's like, you know, Mad Max Fury Road was legitimately like the best film that year. And I think it's yeah. the best film of the whole previous decade. Yes. Uh, but like that is such a, such a, such a rare exception. Yeah. You know, and I'm not saying a genre movie, a horror film, action film, science fiction, fantasy can't be a great work of art and legitimately one of the best films of the year and deserving of awards. But, and I'm not saying anyone's saying that prey is going to like sweep the Oscar nominations, yeah. but I think it's just, it really delivers. And one of the things I think that's strongest about the movie is that it has a lead that is hardly ever a lead in a film. Like how many films, yeah. especially a franchise movie, an action movie, a horror film has a native American uh, young woman in the lead like yeah. none like none. I, I literally can't think of any and she's really terrific I yes. think one of the things she does in the film is that she's very strong and resourceful 
and just like like you really believe that she's can do these incredible streets uh these uh feats of strength and mm -hmm. for uh you know she's really ferocious but also there's a vulnerability to her character and that makes her human she's not like just this crazy you know rabid killing machine that is amazon invincible. woman yeah. I know it's like there's a vulnerability and that's what makes the tension of her trying to fight the predator so exciting is that you yes. do feel that like she could die. Yeah. You know, she, you know, this is someone that is in the real world as much of a fantasy and science fiction in this movie is there's a real, it's almost like it's, it's like someone said, it's like, you know, it's, it really is like, it reminded me of the new world is one of the movies that reminded me of the most, except it has like people, you know, getting their spines ripped out. And, you know, it's like if Malik heads getting blown up. <laughs> I know it's like if Malik directed a predator film, but well, especially you know. in terms of uh, how much of it was without dialogue and, um, how much of it sort of just depended on really good sort of visual filmmaking and telling you, you know, what this person's feeling, where this person is in relation to what they're hunting, how dangerous is this thing that they're coming up against? Um, Which I think would have been even more impactful on a big screen in a movie yes. theater. But I, I think yeah. the most impressive thing about this is um, how it just sort of revitalized what seemed like a dead franchise. Um, and, you know, I haven't, you've seen more Predator movies than I have. We've both seen the first one, but that's basically the extent of, of my Predator viewing because I'm aware that most of the other ones are pretty big disappointments. Um, do you think that's yeah, I remember actually quite enjoying Predator 2, but I can't like remember hardly anything about it besides Danny Glover's in it. Uh -huh. um, uh, but yeah, I, I feel I feel like a lot of people would say uh, that this is in some ways like Creed and that it's a kind of a spin-off movie that might be the best since the original. I think that, uh, you know, people might debate, you know, oh, what's the best Rocky film since the original Rocky? But <clears throat> I think certainly most people think Creed is one of the very best in the series. Well, and, and that... similarly, it sort of recontextualizes it because it makes a minority character, you know, the main character in a way that the original series did not. Um, and I think that also, like I was saying, one of the things that's refreshing about the movie is that it honors the legacy of the franchise but it also is, it feels new and mm -hmm. like, it doesn't feel like, the, I mean, one of the problems with some of these franchise movies is that they feel like- Retreads? Like, they, they feel like, yeah, that's the problem is that they are just retreads, but they feel like this is super important and it's going to yeah. add so much to the franchise and the legacy and the story. And it's like, you're just doing the same thing over and over <laughs> again. And you're acting like it's this super important- Like you know, it's revolutionary. Big, I like know it's invented like, the wheel or something. It's like the force awakens is entertaining and really well-made, but it just is kind of more of the same star Wars. No, but and, then when someone does sort of reinvent star Wars and recontextualize it, people hated it in the last I Jedi. Yeah. Uh. And it's just, and I, I, I think that prey has mostly avoided the nonsense of uh, the recent Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones yeah. uh, series where they're Diverse like, oh, how could thing. there be black people that are hobbits? And it's like, yeah. come on. Well, I mean, part I, of that is that the Predator franchise doesn't have as rabid of a fan base as, as those other uh, and, franchises. And the original had, you know, Carl Weathers, like it always had a diverse cast. And yes. it's like, I, it, it's just, I think most people think, I mean, 
just the whole concept of prey is really cool. It's like yeah. you take this really high tech uh, <laughs> monster, put it in the historical setting. Like you could yeah. do this with all kinds of different stuff. You could put it in like the Napoleonic Wars. You could put it in the Old West. Like you'd have gunslingers going up against it. I think it opens up so many possibilities for the franchise. Right, and it also. Did you ever see the horror western uh, Bone Tomahawk? I've heard that it's one of the more violent movies to come out in the last 10 years, but I've not yeah. seen it. Yeah, it, it, it kind of reminded me of that movie, too. It's like a little bit of the new world kind of reminds me of Bone Tomahawk in the way that it's this mixture of, you know, Old West and horror. And it's uh-huh. quite grisly. I, I admire that Prey um, is like legitimately really gory and bloody. Like, oh, it's yeah. Full on. Like, it's yeah. not one of these that, you know, soft pedals the gore, you know, it's like full on any yeah, other some bits that are like that kind of looks more like cgi than it wish it it was but mm-hmm. it, it manages to be i think largely because of the setting yeah. you know like it, it, it's a rare big franchise movie that feels grounded and like oh these are actual people in yes. an actual you know forest you know yes. it has a really good sense of, of setting and time period and there's a really good job of putting you into the experience of someone living and, you know, pre, uh, I guess, expansion of the United States when like the only white people they come across are like French fur traders and stuff like that. And I, and I like the fact that it's this, you know, there's this, you know, the predator has this incredible high tech gadgets and then like, you know, the most high tech thing they have is a musket. They have to take 30 seconds, 45 (laughs) seconds to reload. Yeah. Uh, and there's something, uh, I mean, it's a really primal movie. There's something yes. just like, you know, these people could be killed so quickly and they have to use their wits. And I just, uh, I think it's cool that, I mean, this is nerdy, but I like the fact that Predator and Prey are both one word titles and they both have the first three letters. That is cool. Yes. <laughs> no, it's a great title. And, yeah. Um, I don't know. It, you mentioned Mad Max Fury Road. This obviously doesn't quite have the same sort of, momentum and build up as or scale and it's or scale but yeah. but it does have this sort of pace is similar and how it's not really trying to be about too much it's about a very it's about like a chase like she goes for a hunt and finds something she didn't expect and it goes from there and it you know it doesn't like try to be too much it doesn't try to say anything about like colonialism or empire or anything like that it's and just I like think about fury, the situation yeah, i think well the, the thing is that because the kind of narrative uh, is so sparse that Fury Road actually does have quite a bit of substance about uh, yeah. environmentalism, about women, yeah. and that what that prey is, uh, you know, you it, it ha- you know you can make, you know, you can have comments about you know the role of the, women in society and right, but it just totally it's like the opposite of nope. Like <laughs> yes. prey is like ninety five percent just really entertaining, and there's these ideas that are earned because they're just like there for you to pick up and then yeah. nope is like 95 percent ideas and there's five percent entertainment no that's a really good way of framing it because yeah it's not like prey doesn't have anything to say but what it does say is natural and fitting to the story it's telling and to the sort of momentum of the story and i was very satisfied with this movie yeah and also like nope is like 35 40 minutes longer <laughs> yes. it doesn't need to be Yes. Um, yeah. So was this your, your favorite of the three or was Bodies your favorite? No, I would. Yeah, no, I would say Prey is my favorite of the uh, of the three. I think that uh, 
it's it's certainly to me just the most overtly entertaining yes definitely definitely yeah. and it's the one i would recommend to most people over and you don't have to have seen the first predator movie not at right? all. but you should well, it's just, on hulu also yeah. if you have hulu which is the only way to watch prey predators on there too otherwise you might be confused about like what is this alien with all these gadgets doing here exactly um because yeah. it doesn't really try to explain that or anything which i thought was to its merit that it just happened. i never yeah i never saw any of the alien versus predator films which i've heard are really lousy uh and i feel like you know it's one of the i think a lot of critics were like i wasn't really looking forward to or had any interest in yet another predator film but if you do one this good bring it on you know yeah. it's like that's how i feel in general about almost every franchise it's yeah. like i don't want all these sequels and remakes and prequels and reinventions or whatever you want to call them requels like they talked <laughs> about in scream uh-huh. but if they were as strong as I thought the last Scream movie was actually yeah. surprisingly good and I really enjoyed Prey, it's like if they do it well and you have something interesting to bring to the table, you no, reinvent it. It, I'm it almost to it. contributes to the movie that it is part of this ongoing franchise and it's in conversation with these other movies from the same franchise. So in some ways, like it's a benefit to the movie to be in conversation with these previous entries into the franchise, but like you said, for others, it's retreads or world building. Or even hurts the original almost in yeah. a way. Well, yeah. I, I think, that, like, which I, I think, think that... the new Star Wars movies actually did to the originals. It sort of rendered the originals almost meaningless in what the characters achieved in those ones because ultimately they didn't achieve anything. I mean, it's like what happened with the recent Halloween films is that they ignored all of the other Halloween films except the original. There's, uh-huh. That's a thing that's happening these days is like, oh, there, we, we, there are so many shitty movies that we're just going to ignore all of them except the very first one. <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't know. It's just there's something about franchise fatigue that is and and it's almost connected into like the multiverse thing it's like there's a multiverse of halloween like oh what reality are we in where there's Mm -hmm. you know halloween 2 the original halloween 2 that didn't happen but except it happened in that movie you Mm -hmm. know so prey works as you know and it's kind of in a weird way like a time travel film even though it's like the idea is i guess the predators have been around they're like multi-dimensional that's what i sort of liked about it they don't really try to explain it it just you just sort of feel it and it happens yeah it's like it's like you know there's a big invisible alien coming down it's like you can't explain that it's just gonna happen (laughs) yeah yeah it's just like let's go right it's it it's cool and you're gonna you know let's just let's just go with it so Yeah. yeah um so watch get some friends over if you can Watch it on the biggest screen you have Yeah, get a, get a free trial for Hulu. No, yeah, I, I wouldn't recommend yeah. that. And I think this is a movie you want to watch with other people. Um, yeah. Because it's fun. Like, the kills yeah. are fun. Like, the stuff that happens in it is entertaining. and um, Which makes you wish that it, you know, had been released as a big budget summer blockbuster. But, alas, that's not the era we live in now. But, um uh, for both of us, Prey is our favorite of these three movies. I don't think any of them were like bad. I thought Nope was the weakest and I had the highest expectations for it. So I think that was also what made it particularly disappointing. Um, I think one of the things that made Prey so, uh, it, to me, it was unexpected. It's like I had no expectations for yeah. a Predator prequel. That was yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're like, let's put it on. But yeah, right. um, 
I think very strong. Uh, I mean, uh, horror is becoming almost like the dominant genre in contemporary movie well, comic books. aside from comic books yeah which almost doesn't exist as a genre it's just movies or comic book movies now, well, i would say yeah like going to the movie theater it's like it's crazy I me mean, the black phone is still playing at one of the multiplexes near me oh wow and that's on streaming on peacock so it's yeah both i mean at the same time i know and it's like there's just uh i mean it's one of the genres that it benefits i think the most from seeing it with an audience definitely so, definitely uh, and also yeah, not so, being distracted by the things that we can be distracted by. We watch stuff. Or, and like, not like, oh, this part looks like it's going to have a jump scare. Let's turn down the volume on our TV or, oh, <laughs> let me turn on a little bit of lights in the other room because I'm getting uh-huh. a little scared. Like you're, you're, you, you give over control when you're watching something in the theater. Yes, definitely. Um, right. But yeah, I think, uh, I think we might be reviewing some more horror movies in the near future. If I, if I have the balls to see barbarian in theaters. Um, yeah, you never saw the sadness. I warned you about seeing that. That's yeah. the best horror film of the year so far. Well, um, but don't see it. We're, we've ever. reviewed a, a good deal more horror this year than we have previous years. So, um, right. you have to give me credit for that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, thank you for listening, uh, and we will be back hopefully in the not too distant future. 